Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine, with a slight cold. <laughs> don't don't let it worry you; you won't catch it. <laughs> Hope you'll be able to hear everything I'm saying tonight. I can't scream, but uh, I'll say it as loud as I can, clear as I can. Uh, the, we're in the special weeks before Pesach. And I didn't want to miss the opportunity to come here to, to talk a little bit about Pesach. Baruch Hashem, Kashis Magazine, is completed for Pesach. And it's coming tomorrow, uh, delivered to our office. And hopefully it'll be in the mail in another day or two after that. So uh, be patient. And it'll be in the stores either the end of the week, beginning of the next week for sure. So Baruch Hashem, we got that far. I'd like to share with you some things that we have in there and talk about some of the topics that we've talked about in the past, but we have to review all these every year anyway. And I want to tell you a little bit about what's coming up. We Baruch Hashem have two guests, one in uh, two weeks and one in, I don't even lost track of how many weeks it is, but the, the week before Pesach, the week of Pesach, right before Pesach, we have... uh special guest. We have Rabbi Rabinowitz who comes to us every year from the OU to answer all your questions about products. So save them up or send them to me. You could send them even right now if you want. You could even call them and leave messages and we'll ask him those questions. Our telephone number is 718-336-8544. 718-336-8544, office number of Kashrus Magazine, and our email is Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. So you can send us any questions you'd like us to ask, Robert Rabinowitz, and he'll spend the extra time. It'll be much more than just a, a yes or a no. You'll get a clear understanding. I had an interesting call today before I get to my show. I had an interesting call. It's really a look at next year's Pesach. <laughs> we just finished this year's Pesach issue, and I'm working not only on the summer issue, which also happened today. Somebody can send me an article, very nice article for the summer issue about kosher camping. Very nice article, personal article. Stickle Chef, very interesting things he wrote. Anyway, this fellow calls up. I think he's from Lakewood. He didn't say so, but I think he's from Lakewood. Makes sense. In any event, he said to me, he doesn't understand all of these kosher companies that are putting out kosher le Pesach, Romaine lettuce. They're making it you know, all year round, they're making Romaine lettuce, but they're making it for the Seder, for, for the Seder on, for, for Pesach. People on Pesach, some people have um, a you know, horseradish. Okay, they want to use lettuce, but there's a chazonish. The chazonish says it has to have some bitterness in it. And there's no bitterness in the lettuce. So I told them the lettuce won't sell. If you're going to have bitter lettuce, it will stay, it will be returned. No one's going to want it. So he said to me, but the chazonish, he said, if you, if if it's there, 
a lot of people will buy it because it just because it, it it fills the chazan niche, and it's going to be uh, a little bitter, and uh, not going to be too bitter. They're not going to choose a variety that's too bitter or that stays in the ground too long. But they're going to take something that has a little tinge to it, a little kick to it, and and, and they'll fulfill the chazan niche. So he thought that you know there'll be plenty of people who will take it on. So I said, well, I don't know if the cash, if these stores are going to, I mean, the, the companies are going to do it. So I said, the only way to do this is if you write me a letter. So he has to write me that letter. Or maybe I have to write it myself. But he has to write that letter. And then we put it in to the magazine. And then we'll call up some of the companies and say, you want to be the first one to have roaming lettuce that fulfills Lehider? Chazonish is shita about lettuce, that it should be it should be sharp, that whatever whatever we use has to have a little kick to it. He said, You will be you'll be getting a new group of people, you'll be capturing the audience. It'll be fantastic. Maybe they'll take it on. And then I said to the fellow, I said, you know what? This is not Purim Torah now. It may sound funny, but it's not Purim Torah. I said, you know what? We have to make two varieties. One that's a little bitter and one that's l'chumra bitter. That's stark bitter. So not everybody will be able to eat it, but everyone will claim they ate it. And they'll and they'll want to have that bitter uh, romaine lettuce and they'll be proud that they ate the bitter romaine lettuce. And then all those people who eat the, um, who, who are eating the horseradish, they're gonna. They're gonna say. They're gonna say. You know, why should we eat the horseradish? We could have eaten the the romaine lettuce, and it, we'd have a, no problem getting the kazais down. So it's very interesting. I'm looking forward to this. I, I'm looking. I'm looking very much forward to this happening next year. That we get ourselves some bitter herbs. With uh, that are in romaine lettuce, and that they're not too bitter, just enough to be mekayim chazanish. So that's a, a look ahead in kashas. Now I want to share with you some of the interesting things we have in the magazine, specifically the article by Rabbi Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg. You know, every if you don't read the magazines, you don't know this, but every two years we print Rabbi Scheinberg's article. Which appeared in a safer, art scroll safer, that, uh, was based on his psokim. And this was put together by him and by a Talmud back when he was alive. And it was printed in our magazine maybe ten times or more, I don't know. And this article is a classic. And you have to read it every year. And the truth of the matter is, I don't read it every year. First of all, we don't print it every year. We print it every two years. Secondly, I don't read it every year because even when I print it, I have a secretary reading it. I will bring the same thing in. As long as I got his picture in, we got his this and everything's there. I got to make sure nothing's missing, but I don't read it. Some things I do have to read and some things I don't have to read. And I never read it. I had to read it tonight because I was going to come here. And I was amazed. This is what I'm printing. I didn't even remember it. I'm the one who selected it, and I did this with great respect for Rav Scheinberg.
and I, we got permission from the start from the art scroll, and from the from the author, and it was just a, it, but all of a sudden. Anyway, before we begin, uh, I want to say something. We've said this year before, but not exactly this way. This year, Bezos Hashem is Baruch. The number of people who are going to leave their homes in Brooklyn, in 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 Lakewood, and uh, uh, and Swampscott, and wherever they are, and they're going to travel to uh, a Pesach program somewhere. They're going to go to a Pesach program somewhere. I don't think it means their relatives. A Pesach program somewhere is 100,000 people. Now, I'm not going to do the arithmetic, but Shoim Shabbos Yidin, there are only a couple of million. I don't know how you're going to cheshpin it, but Shoim Shabbos Yidin, there's only a couple of million. Maybe maybe if you'll swing more than Israel than that and, and stretch it a little bit this way and that way, but a 100,000 people. I remember when it was a tremendous number, 50,000 people. Now it's 100,000 people. And I did my arithmetic. I didn't do a good arithmetic because I never really studied this topic thoroughly. I don't know what it costs to go away for Pesach, but the numbers are about $5,000 a person. A family can easily spend $20,000 for going away. Now, I did my arithmetic based using the $5,000 number. A couple of years ago, I used a $3,500 number because that was something that Landau's had a, by Landau's shul had a, a thing about we're asking for money and then for, 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 for Pesa, for Chimadoschitim. And it says it costs a family $3,500 just to make Pesa here, a whole family. And I was looking around at the hotels and I found out the hotels were $3,500. <laughs> So now I figure they're close to five in for the average, but could be much, much more. In any event, let's say $5,000 a head. 5,000 times 100,000. Don't do it. I'll do it for you. $500 million. $500 million. A half a billion dollars just for the pace of program. I'm leaving out airfare. Oh, I couldn't include the effort because I don't know how far away you're going. I'm putting in, it's $500 million. And at that time when I first spoke about this a few years ago, because it was, it was much less, I don't know how it grew so fast, but that's the number that they're giving out. Rabbi Lubitsky's putting out that number now. And he was the one who was tracking it all these years. And he said, and it, and it says 100,000. And if you take your $500 million, and I would like to say if every one of those people gave 10% of what it's going to cost them to make Pesach, a little little money, $50 million, we would have $50 million. I don't think Jay would have any problems. I don't think most of the yeshivas would have any problems. I think that $50 million could be used very well, and I think it would make a tremendous roshim. And I call upon those people who go away to try to give 10% of the cost of your trip to, to Tzedakah. And whether, choose what you want. 
If you want it to be Jayrud, I'm happy. <laughs> but if but whatever you choose is fine. And 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 just think that you're really that you're really sharing your special uh, experience of Pesach with others who can't go. But I feel the other way. I feel that the people who stay home, who are making Pesach for themselves, or maybe with their children or whatever it is, but they're home and they're not going to any hotels. People who, let's say, are home for Pesach. They're the lucky ones because they get the real Pesach. They're doing Pesach. They're not just seeing matzah on a beautiful table. They did everything that you see in that room. They made it. They made it clean. They made it neat. They cleaned the floor. They cleaned the, the, the bottom of the table. They, they cleaned the, the chairs. They do it. They did everything. The wife cooked every single piece of food that's there. Some places they don't take anything but flour. I mean, not flour. Uh, matzah meal. You don't use matzah meal. I'm sorry. That's the wrong group. <laughs> I mean, some people do. But we used to. But the, uh, you know, so whatever it is, whatever you, you use, um, let's say cornstarch. And, uh, and, and, and sugar. But you gotta be careful with the sugar because you can't use all the sugars. You can't use, uh, you can't use brown sugar unless it has a special pesach, uh, on it. But the regular sugars, and you have flour, I'm sorry, uh, cornstarch. And, uh, not cornstarch, what am I doing? Potato starch. I told you, see, I have a cold now. <laughs> now you see that I really have a cold. <laughs> Potato starch, and and uh, and, and uh, my wife is probably conniptions. Potato starch and and oil and some oil, whichever oil you use. A lot of people using different types of oils, and you're gonna have some sugar and a few other things. And the wife makes everything for the beginning from scratch. When they sit down to a table, when somebody who made Pesach sits down to a table on Pesach, that's a suda, that's a seder. That's a geschmack. Not that they tell you, you know, I kept serving, I loved it more and more. Okay, enjoy yourself. But the people who stay home, they're really enjoying themselves. That's what I feel. Anyway, uh, let, let me go on to what Chaim Pinchas says because it's unbelievable. If you never heard it, you're hearing it now. And if you heard it, it's worth hearing it. And if you couldn't catch it, get my magazine, Kashrus Magazine. You can call us or look on web. Or the, uh, it's kashrusmagazine.com or go to some of the stores. Some of the local stores have it. And if not, you always call us up. We'll give you the number again. But here it is. How to prepare for Pesach and still enjoy the Seder. Because Rabbi Scheinberg loved people. And it bothered him immensely. Some people got wrapped up in preparing for Pesach and ruining their their Seder experience. You know, some of the people who go away, why they go away, I couldn't make Pesach. I just couldn't make Pesach. It's impossible. It's impossible because they made it impossible. It is very, very, very possible to make Pesach. You make Shabbos. You make Yom Tov. What do you think Pesach is? It's weekdays and Shabbos and Yom Tov. Oh, we have got to do so much. So listen to this article and maybe next year, if not this year, you'll rethink. Rabbi Scheinberg starts with the, the famous piece about how in the old days there were two groups of people, the rich and the poor. The poor had almost nothing in their house. 
a small little place, and the rich had a big fancy house, but a lot of servants. So <coughs> the rich didn't have to worry. They did nothing because they had uh, they, 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 they had all these servants to do the cleaning for them. So to clean up a pesa was a, was a joke. For the poor, it wasn't a problem because what did they own? Remember the Chavetz Chaim's the house? A chair, two chairs, a table, a bed, two beds. That's it. What do they see in the house? Nothing there. Just passing through. Well, those people didn't have money. Passing through or not, they didn't have the money for it. Simple people. So it didn't take so long. So Rabbi Scheinberg said, but we're caught in a trap. Because the average modern home today is large, beautiful, got a lot of stuff in it. And who has to do all the cleaning? The housewife. All right, she gets the kids to help out a little bit if they're old enough. Okay, the husband does when he's not working, not learning. And and, 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 and maybe there is a shiksa that comes in once a week or something. But you're not talking about an easy situation. But what do you have to clean? A formica table has to be cleaned. <laughs> How much do you have to work on a formica table? They wouldn't have wood tables in those days. What are you working on a formica table? He said, listen to what he says. Uh, uh, Even though the wood of her furniture is finely finished and her floors are acrylic, marble, tiled, or carpeted, making such cleaning unnecessary. The whole method of cleaning the old days is not the way we have to do it today. Here, cover it over. We buy these covers. We buy uh, this or that. So you work people always slaving away on the table and everything, and then they and then they cover it over. It's 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 really a lot of time that you know you have to have to question if it was necessary. And Rabbi Scheinberg thinks how much, talks a lot about how the yomtov is to be enjoyed and how the housewife should enjoy the yomtov. And then he raises the question, which I I have to go home tonight, so I have to be careful how I say these words. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to be careful how I say these words. Maybe in the past I wasn't careful enough, but I'm going to try very hard to be careful this time. <laughs> About quoting from Rabbi Scheinberg. Okay, there's not even a, a, a mini quote. It's not the intention here to abolish Minhagim that had been passed down by Klai Yisrael from generation to generation. Nevertheless, some practices adopted by contemporary women in their pace of cleaning are not an actual continuation of the old minogim. For example, if a person does not sell his chametz, of course it's necessary to check the utensils and wash off the chametz left on them, or make the chametz inedible. But if the chametz is sold, and who doesn't sell their chametz? If the chametz is sold, then washing the pots, pans, and dishes that are going to be locked up or blocked away is not necessary. I didn't want, you didn't want to hear it, but that's what he says. Not necessary. 
And here's another quote. Putting so much effort into cleaning, far above and beyond what is called for by the Torah, a woman runs the risk of coming to the Seder too exhausted to properly observe the Seder. Not just enjoy, observe the Seder. She may not say all the words. She may not, uh, I mean, hopefully she'll eat the shiurim. And hopefully she'll, you know, have matzah and mensch and everything. Everything will be good like that. But still in all, she might lose out in some of it. And it's really a shame. That's the goal. And to lose out at the end because of all that work, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't jibe. Now, Rabbi Scheimer gives six suggestions. I think I'm going to read them straight because they're very easy and, and it's worth hearing if you don't remember these. In general, all property and possessions must be cleaned and checked to make sure that they're free of all chametz, except in the following cases. These things do not need to be cleaned and checked. Okay, what are we talking about? Number one, if during the year chametz is not brought into a place, that place does not have to be cleaned or checked for chametz. That's the halacha in Shulchan Aruch Orchayim four thirty three three and Mishnah Brewer seventeen. I didn't do the I didn't do the arithmetic. I'm sorry. I didn't give you the Hebrew letters, but the point is that. In the halacha, from the Gemara to the Shulchan Aruch is that if there's no chametz that came in there, no chametz in, no chametz out. That's the rule. So now, determining whether any chametz went in or not is a little discussion he has. But in reality, we really know what's happened. You haven't been in that place for a year. You know you haven't been there in that room, for th- in that closet for, th- for a year. Nobody in the family, nobody at all went to that place for a year. So that you didn't put anything in. If it was nothing there before you checked it last year, it's not there. You don't have to redo all your old uh, photos. You don't have to do it again. It's all done. Finished. Number two, any article that is not used on Pesach does not need to be checked for chametz, provided it is put away properly and the chametz in it is sold. Okay, so... Really, we do check a little bit. We're going to see in a minute. But basically, he's saying is when you sell it, then you basically have no responsibility. And we and technically, if you have a, a cupboard and you have dishes in there and you didn't, and you didn't uh, check through them, basically you're covered because it's it's not for Pesach. And uh, and you you, you 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 but but you're not selling chametz in that. You see, that's the thing. Because nobody, you don't sell the chametz in the plates. And if there are crumbs there, and a lot of crumbs that got in for some reason, then you have a problem. So you have to clean the area. You have to shake things off. You should make sure things are clean when they're put away. But you don't have to wash them and scrub them and put them in the dishwasher and, and do a whole slew of things to make sure there's no grease on it. And this, you don't have to go to any extremes. Basically, you're selling any chametz that's in that closet to the goy. Three, crumbs that have been rendered completely inedible, and this is a big heter. They were completely inedible to the extent they're not fit to be eaten by a dog, not chametz. 
Now, how do you say something is rendered inedible? Well, if it rot away, okay, we don't have rotten food in our, our kale, we don't have rotten food. Maybe dried out, maybe crinkly, maybe <laughs> crusty, but they're not, but they're not, uh, they're not disgusting like that. But Rabbi Scheinberg says, the household cleanser, uh, used, the household cleaner, can, uh, it will spoil the crumbs to the extent that people would refrain from eating them. And that's enough. So if you do that, if you, if you put some kind of, uh, cleanser, a cleaner onto those plot spots that can't come off, you're working on a, a toaster oven and this thing, thing looks and caked on as it comes off. You rub, you rub, you rub with a steel wool. It doesn't come. I see a stain, but it's not coming off. So be pie game it. Either you could burn it a little bit, which is a good idea, or you could do a, uh, uh, you know, you could put a match on it or something like that. And keep it there for a few seconds and, and, and burn out whatever it is, or else put a cleanser there, and it's not edible anymore, and that's enough. But putting it away, you're not using that toaster oven for, for Pesach. Another point, the general obligation to check and destroy crumbs doesn't apply if the crumbs are less than the size of a kezayis, an olive. What is a kezayis? You have to look it up. Now, Rabbi Badner has a has a chumrah. It's usually, I don't know if it's called a cooler chumrah, the rest of the year with the brachas. He has an interesting book on kezayis. Rabbi Badner, Pinchas Badner. It's a wonderful picture book with the descriptions of of, of the sizes. Many people hold it bigger than that. But whatever it is, it's a nice chunk. And you don't have any pieces like that in your house. I'm telling you, there's no piece like that in your house. So technically, the whole thing is, you know, that you're looking around for a kazaisim you have to destroy. Less than a kazayis. Allah, you don't have to destroy. Now, my Rebbe, Rebbe Zimmerman Zatzal, was not this year's uh, selection for the magazine. So he used to say like this, Sure, there's some crumbs in the carpet, even if you went over it a few times. But don't worry. The crumbs don't know how to crawl from the carpet to the food to the table. Don't worry about it. They're not going to crawl up. So we don't have to become, uh, you know, we don't have to be ADD about it. We don't have to be extremely nervous. We don't have to make ourselves sugar about it. If, talking about a kezayas, when is the last time you found a kezayas? Now you want to know where to look? I'll tell you where to look. I'm going to give you some secret spots that you probably all know about. The real problems in the house are, uh, let me just finish number six then. It's customary that an item to be kashitured, okay, that's something, we don't really need that right now. Um, yeah, the, 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 the place to worry, worry about in the house, we all know, is under the refrigerator, under the stoves. Now, there's different types of flooring and different types of equipment. If you have a piece of equipment that'll, and you have a floor that's linoleum, and if you'll drag that thing, you might ruin the floor. You know and I know that you never, ever, ever drag it out to clean underneath it. If you lost a diamond ring, I understand. But you're not going to lose it. You didn't lose a diamond ring. You've got a crumb of mashu of hummus underneath. 
You never ever used, you would never move it in for anything. If a kid's toy went under you, you certainly wouldn't get it out. You just say, forget about it. When we sell the house, we'll look for the kid's toys then. What's the point? What are you going to do there? That's ridiculous. You're not interested in it underneath the, 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 the stove because it's going to rip your floor. But let's say your floor is not linoleum. Your floor is stone. Your floor is something that's hard. And when you move this thing and you now have, you know, we've advanced. So now your stove can roll or easily pull. Your refrigerator can easily pull and can roll. It doesn't, it does, it, it locks in or whatever. It doesn't ruin your floor. So move it. Takes a minute. Not a big spiel. What's the other spot in the house that really, really, really has a problem? The worst spot? The worst spot in the house is under the radiator. Because under the radiator, there's a little uh, screen there. And the screen may come out. Maybe it's always there. Uh, maybe it's missing. In that area, every time you sweep, <laughs> the crumbs go. Whether you like it or not, that's where the crumbs go. So if you want to know these two spots, it's the under those pieces of equipment I said, the oven and the uh, and the refrigerator, and in the uh, under the uh, under the radiator in the kitchen and the dining room. The rest of the house, I dare you to find anything really big there, except if you have some kids, they would, or they take some food to the room at night to eat, they're eating crumbs in there, they eat, they eat cookies in bed. Okay, so with those people, that's why you have to look visually. But to take the time it takes to look visually is not that dramatic. So when people are pressured, listen to this suggestion that the rabbi gave. It's worth n- not just calling into the, sh- listening into the show. That tonight, it's like it'll save your whole life. Let me see if I can get it. When I'm going to read this to you, you're not going to believe that Rabbi Scheinberg said it. Rabbi Scheinberg is the one who wore all those tzitzis, very big machmir, very medactic in halacha, very big Talmud Chacham, Yerei Shemayim, a dying, a person who knew Shulchan Aruch inside out. I also learned a little Shulchan Aruch from him when I was in Yeshiva. Listen to what he says. Now again, I know you will not believe what I'm saying. Checking the rooms. That's your house. If it is too difficult to check all the rooms on one night, then the work may be divided and done on other nights. According to all the laws of B'dikas Chometz, which means we're not going to make a bracha, but we're going to go looking around with a flashlight or a, or a, a candle and whatever it is, do a B'dikas Chometz other nights which means that when a person is preparing, maybe the woman who does all the cleaning shouldn't have to do this. The husband is supposed to be doing this. If it's not going to be possible to do everything, listen to what it says. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's going to be a chiddush nifla, what I'm, I'm saying. No chametz should be left in any room that has been cleaned and checked properly. So that means that I could actually do not cleaning and then not check the room. No, 
Cleaning, you got to check the room. Cleaning is not a heter not to check the room, not to do bedikas chametz. But bedikas chametz could be made additional nights before Pesach, before the last night. If you were in a job or you were in school, you remember it now. Remember when you went to yeshiva and everybody remembers that they had to clean their desk and check everything before they left. And in yeshivas, they made sure to do it before they went home for for, for Ben Azmanim. They did it a bedika at night. Uh, presumably, some one person at least did a bedika at night, and it wasn't the last night of the, before Pesach. And you could technically do this, says Rav Scheinberg, days before Pesach, which means, in effect, a man, a woman, a whole family could clean up the house and then piecemeal check it and just make sure that nothing goes in there, and then it becomes a place where nothing went in. And if you're careful enough, we don't have mice in our house, we don't have uh, anything that's going to take it from one room to another, the way it was in the time of the Gemara. I'm reading, I didn't make this up. Since the blessing is not recited before the night of the 14th, Therefore, at least one place that had no chametz should be left unchecked. Then the mitzvah bedikas chametz can be performed with a bracha on the night of the 14th in that area. I continue. If the whole house had already been completely cleaned before the 14th, then the 10 pieces of chametz that are customarily hidden and found should be hidden by someone else so that a proper bedika can be made. But the man is telling us that we could actually do it piecemeal. If you're finding the whole procedure too hard, this is what it says. You can go and consult the art scroll, make sure that they got it right. <laughs> the, the name of the safer you can find it is Heart Talks by I'm sorry, Heart to Heart Talks by Rabbi Moshe Finkelstein, an art scroll book, and. Uh, what can I tell you? That's what the rabbi says. So let's say it's not so impossible. If we could really keep, if we could really keep uh, kosher all year, and we can make Shabbos and Yom Tov for our families, and or, or ourselves, even two older people, if we could actually, we could do it. Then we could do Pesach. Now you're going to ask me about cleaning the kitchen and doing the heavy duty stuff. So now I could tell you that if you're, you're in that position, so there are people who would do it for you, probably for a fee. And I'll give you another thing, that, that there's, there's ways to, 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 to make that easier also. Because you can cover your countertops with stuff that they have today, not expensive at all. You get the fancy ones, and one time you buy it, whatever you do. And as long as it's clean, you put something on and that's it. And as far as the uh, things in the house, buy yourself a new little stove. Uh, uh, Some some small small stove if you you don't like the idea of cashing a stove. But have have somebody do it for you. It seems to me that if you want to keep make, if you want to make Pesa, it's doable. Now, if you're an older person, you want to go with your family to the younger kids to the house, it's fine. But if you, if, but to say, 
I can't make Pesach because it's so hard. First of all, we shouldn't be saying it's so hard. We don't really have life that's so hard. We really shouldn't be saying those words. That's a very bad thing to, for kids to hear. It's a bad thing to say. Gadish Baruch Hu isn't happy with it. And uh, if I think it's well known what Ramosha Feinstein said about it, how people used to say, Shver tzu yid. it's hard to be a Jew. And he claims that that's the reason that so many Jews left, the younger Pete generation left the fold. So we don't want to say it's hard to be a Jew even though you're doing it. We want to say it's good to be a Jew. It's fun to be a Jew. It's something enjoyable. Thank God I'm a Jew. And and and, and not to complain and uh, not to use it as I have to go away because it's Pesach is so hard. That's really not the image we want to give to the rest of the world. I thought that piece from Rav Scheinberg was classic. Now, let me go on to a few of the other points he has here, because here is the way to do the stovetop, and it hasn't changed in all these years, and it's not any different than my Rebbe taught, and it's not any different than I've said in this show a million times. Listen to it. It's easy. Stovetop. We'll leave out the oven for a second. Stovetop. Wash the top and side area surfaces with a rag soaked in a strong household cleaner. Now, if we use the cleaner, we took care of anything that was bad, and we got it to be to have a bad taste. So, a pikeman, clean the knobs well. That's not a, such a, a simple thing or an unimportant thing. That's very important because you touch the knobs. You touch the telephone. Telephone has to be spick and span before Pesach. The knobs on the, we really should have aluminum foil on. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't know, I, you just be careful on the, um, but, but the, with the, the, with the, uh, the oven, you have to make sure that they're very clean. If you did not have a set of grates for Pesach, then the grates can be kashered by first cleaning them very well. Then put them back on the stove. Light the burners to the maximum and cover them with the Shabbos blech. That's what he likes. I used to like to use the tin foil. Uh, the blech is definitely a good idea. My problem with the blech was the blechs that I had didn't go far enough over and I wanted to cover more area. It's always, it's always a, it's always a, um, a catch 22. How are you going to uh, get the, cover the sides of all the parts of the oven and not burn whatever's right next to the oven because the intense heat is going to radiate down. So you've got to be very, very careful how you handle this. I'm using Rabbi Scheinberg's idea that you use grates. I suppose he was happy the fact that he used a cleanser on the, with a rag on the top of the stovetop. And anyway, he follows it off at the end that you have to put aluminum foil on the, uh, uh, on after you burnt out the uh, grates. He wants the grates to be on for 10 minutes <coughs> at the highest. And he wants it to be, uh, and you have to met, waited 24 hours before you did this whole process. So you wait the 24 hours and then you use the, the rag with the, 
with the uh, oven cleaner or whatever, whatever cleaner you use. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say oven cleaner. It's too strong, whatever. Whatever cleaner you're using on the outside of the oven, top, or the oven, the stove top, I'm sorry. And then you're going to uh, put the blech on, turn on the jets, and everything will be kashered underneath it to the best of our ability. And then you'll cover it with aluminum foil. That's what he's suggesting. But be very careful not to block the air inlets around the burners and on the back of the stove. And i got to stress that on the back of the stove. You've got to remember that because there's escape of the vents from the, from the oven and there's, and, and, and there's an area where the, where the, where the, where the heat that's under the pots and the, and the blech that's on the stove where it goes out the, the back. And if you don't let it get out, I don't want to say what's going to happen. We're going to have real problems. He says that if you block those air inlets around the burners on the back of the stove, it could cause poisonous fumes in the room. Now, the ovens are more complicated. My voice is failing I don't want to try to do it today. If we get a chance, some other time we'll do it. If not, whatever you've been doing, doing till now, you'll do. If you have a self-cleaning oven, of course, it's quite simple. But more many people are up to that level. If you don't have a self-cleaning oven, you'll consult your rabbi, and he'll have to handle that one for you. Let me share with you a couple others, because these are all classic. Every single one of these things is like a classic. Dish towels. I love this one. It's customary to have a set of dish towels, especially for Pesach. <laughs> However, if one does not have Pesach, this set of dish towels, then the regular dish towels can be used if they're washed with a detergent and no food remains attached to them. Don't come with sugar. Don't come with sugar. If you have dish with different dish towels, Matova Manayin, you don't. You can use the others. The pace of tablecloths. Listen to this. These can be ironed with the same iron that you use during the rest of the year. People are probably buying pace of irons. Clothes, clothes, blankets, pockets. If they've been washed in detergent or dry cleaned, your clothes came back from the cleaner. You put them in the wash before Pesach. There's no need for them to be checked. Repeat. If they've been washed in detergent or dry cleaned, there is no need for them to be checked. Now, I can tell you, even though the man said it, and I love him, he was a big tzaddik, but dirty in, dirty out. If you send them the dry cleaner, the good old days, they used to clean out your pockets and, and everything would come back perfect. And maybe even the, they give you the quarters back that you left there. But in today's world, you'll get the quarter back in the pocket and the crumbs too. So, so I don't know if it works 100%. But basically with a shirt or something like that, the answer is yes. Following the rule that the, the general obligation to check for and destroy crumbs does not apply if the crumbs are less than the size of an olive. So that's true about checking for the crumbs. But on Pesach, your fingers go into the pocket and you need to make sure that pocket is really clean. So before you go 
to the dry cleaner, clean out the pockets. And if you want to check, and you check them, of course, later on. Even though he said not to, he's talking about if you're putting it away. But if you're going to use it, and you're going to put your hands in there, I'm sure he wouldn't have liked it. So that gives you a little bit of an, an, an interesting discussion, that one. Now, this one is the most commonly discussed issue. Sidurim, benchers, Sfarim, books. There are some people that know how to spend an enormous amount of time opening every single page. They don't shake the, the book. They don't spin it through it. They turn page after page after page. Baruch Hashem, some families have a lot of children, and they're able to accomplish it before Pesach. I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think I've, I've been, I don't have enough children to, to do that work for me for, for, for Pesach. And I, I, I just, I can't go that way. But uh, here's what he says. If there's a chance they contain chametz crumbs, then they should either be put away and sold with other chametz utensils or cleaned and checked well. Now, the general rule of thumb that most people have is benches, yes, put them away. Clean them if you can. You can't clean them, whatever it is, but put them away because you're never going to get that clean. You could never bench on basic with a bencher for the rest of the year. That's sort of ridiculous. But a safer, you only have one shas. You have one chumash, one mishnah brewer. You got to look something up. You're telling me I have to put it away with the chumas? Sell it, put it, in the, put it in the closet the goy is going to get? I can't get into my farm all day. So. so what most people do is don't bring it to the table. They're very careful. They don't They don't certainly do it in the middle of the meal. They're not pulling it out and opening it up and flavor, waving it over the table. So you have to be careful, 100%. And many people eat when they are had the farm on the table and crumbs could fall on it. It's very, very, very common. Toys. Ah! The Heiliger toys. If there's edible chametz in the toys, then they should be either removed, should be removed or rendered inedible. There is no need to scrub toys. Can I repeat that? There's no need to scrub toys. Yes, take away any chametz that's there or put something on it that'll be poigamit, but there's no need to scrub it. I'm going to read to you Oh, I'll read that other to it. I'm going to read to you now from Fraddle Adams. Who is Fraddle Adams? Then you haven't been reading Kasha's magazine. Fraddle Adams was one of my best writers. She's working for somebody else now. I cannot tell you who. Uh, not 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 anything that you see around this neck of the woods. But she's uh, one of the best that I ever had. If she hears this, I don't mind telling you. <laughs> we tell it to her also. <laughs> she wrote a beautiful piece, and I can't stop printing it because it's just so beautiful. Six shortcuts for when you just don't have the time. Select a number of toys that you're going to clean for Pesach and lock the rest away. Choose toys that aren't too complex, but they'll be sufficient entertainment. Games with many small pieces should not even be considered. Be honest with yourself about what you're cleaning. 
does it probably contain chametz? Or are you really working just to organize and keep the house clean? Your picture albums from high school are still chametz free <laughs> as they were the last time you glanced through them approximately a year ago. Get all your children involved by making it fun and exciting. Let them do jobs that appeal to them. Provide incentives. Turn on music and give each family member a different job in the same room so they can keep the, uh, keep each other company. Handing a two-year-old a rag may not help towards the cleaning effort per se, but it does keep him occupied so that you'll be free to work. Call your rabbi when you have a checking list of all the items in your house which you usually clean. Cross off what he thinks is unnecessary. <laughs> I don't think too many people are ready to do that. And Fraddle probably has to hide when, when I say this. <laughs> Find other areas in your life where you can cut down during cleaning days. Make simpler dinners, ordering groceries instead of shopping. Use paper goods to minimize time spent on washing dishes. Work with your family members year-round on the mitos of order, cleanliness, and respect for property, especially Svarim. Don't put books or games on dirty tables and wipe down everything before you put it away. This may well earn you the mitzvah of Zechiris. You see, it's Mitzrayim every time that you do it, every day of the year. That's from Fraddle Adams. And now I'm going to end off with a piece here from Rabbi um, Rabbi Scheinberg, and then we're going to go on to some other stuff, which is very important. This one that I'm going to read now is is one of those that <laughs> they're not going to believe he said it. Food that falls. Food that falls onto a chair or, or, or onto the floor on Pesach should be washed off for hygienic reasons. The item does not become chametz, even if the food is hot. I know you don't believe I said it. You don't believe he said it. But I printed it, and he said it, and you can read it in art school. <laughs> so that's a little bit from Rabbi Chaim Pinchas Steinberg Zatzal. Wonderful man. One of the one of the the truly great people that we had in our generation. Let me share with you now one of the topics that that gets everybody all excited, and that's the question of medications. And our sheet on the medications is you don't need a medication list. You don't have to buy one of those special books and read through everything inside out. You want to do it. I'm not taking it away. If you're doing it, I'm doing L'Shem Shemayim, beautiful. But the basic halacha is the basic halacha. And we print every year the letter from the Chicago Rabbinical Council. And we only do it with Chicago Rabbinical Council because I'm close with them. I mean, you don't need to go there. My Rebbe used to say it all the time. But here I have a few rabbis with nice signatures. And, and it looks like something, you know, a nice paper. So I print it every year. And they every year they sign it again. And, and they send it out in their neighborhood in Chicago. But it's not, it's not a chiddish. We've been saying this. All the years. All the years. One of the first things I ever learned was from Frida Vitamins, head of Frida Vitamins, Dr. Zimmerman, 
told me to avoid making those lists. He said did not to do that. And my Rebbe, Vashazim, and not related, I don't think so. He, he he taught us that, you know, what we see, what I'm just seeing here too. So basically, it says, all pill medication with or without chametz that one swallows is permitted. Again, all pill medication with or without chametz that one swallows is permitted. Okay, candy-coated pills are an exception. Vitamin and food supplements don't apply. It doesn't apply. Or, no, no, liquid and chewable medications that may contain chametz should only be used on the direction of a doctor and rabbi. Liquid and chewable medication that contain kidneys may be consumed by someone who is ill. An otherwise healthy person who would like to consume a liquid or chewable medicine to relieve a minor discomfort, maybe like what I have right now, should only do so if the product is known to be free of kidneys. And then cosmetics and toiletries, all varieties of blush, body soap, conditioners, creams, eyeshadow, eyeliner, foundations, ink, lotions, mascara, I don't need to read the whole thing, shampoo, stick deodorant, I skipped a few, paint and ointments, are permitted for use on Pesach regardless of the ingredients contained within them. Many varieties of cologne, liquid deodorants, hairspray, uh, perfume, shaving lotion, and wipes contain denatured alcohol and therefore it should only be used on Pesach if they do not contain alcohol or the alcohol is known to be free of chametz. So that we are concerned about. But not the shampoo. Yes, the problem with the cologne and the deodorants. Lipstick, mouthwash, and toothpaste which contain chametz should not be used. Okay. So this is signed by the Rabbanim in in uh, Chicago, including Reb Chaim Goldzweig, Reb Gedalia Schwartz, David Zucker, Shmuel First, and Rabbi Yonah Reese. It's a little bit of an idea um, of some of the things that we do in the magazine, in addition to our large amount of, uh, I mean, we have a, a special Pesach alert section that goes up to, uh, let's see the number I reach, up to 72 items, in addition to our regular consumer alert section, which has, I think it's 70 or 71 items. So we have a lot of stuff in the magazine and some unbelievable articles. And uh, the Pace Hotel articles is a classic one, uh, which just was just written this year by Rabbi Shane. Uh, extraordinarily well done. And Baruch uh, Hashem, we're ready for the Yom Tif, and we hope that you will be. Again, let me remind you of a few things. If you'd like to get, um, if you'd like to get your questions together for Rabbi Rabinowitz from the OU, who will be on the show on the twenty sixth, uh, please call us or email us. You can reach me at seven one eight three three six eight five four four. Just leave the message. I can see I can't talk well. Um, just leave a message and say that you want me to ask him this or that or the other thing. 
And uh, the, uh, the, the email address is kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And if you'd like to, you could order the magazine uh, on the website, kashrusmagazine.com, or you can order the magazine there, or you can call us at the office. And go to kashrusmagazine.com. You'll see a lot about our magazine there. A lot of articles and things are written up. And well, the, the, the current issue of the magazine probably won't be up for a day or two, but it doesn't make a difference if you order the pace of issue now, meaning it looks like you're getting the old one. We're only going to send you the new one, so you don't have to worry. So you just go on there and order last year's pace of issue and make a little note if you want and say, send me this year's. We'll do it. Subscribe. We send it to you. Now, part of the subscription it's included. So, if you want to go to the website and see what we, the kind of things that we do, that's a good idea. And uh, in the upcoming weeks, we're going to be discussing other things dealing with Pesach. We did a little bit about the cleaning now, and uh, we didn't really tackle a, a lot of the things. I wish I had had the last last night opened for the Seder uh, the halachas of Seder it doesn't look that way so I might be discussing the Seder earlier or some of the other issues anything you want discussed about Pesach let us know um, we're, we're, but I thought that, that that cute idea in the beginning I'm really looking forward to next year to see the uh, the, mo- the Romaine lettuce that has a little kick to it to be Yotzeh Chazonish I think that's great because that's sort of I was just thinking about it What's new in Pesach this year? Nothing. There hasn't been anything new in Pesach for a bunch of years already. There's so many things coming out. Yeah, yeah another name, a new company, uh, five more. Pre- it's all the same. What's coming out new? And if it is a few thin new things, it's not exciting. That would be exciting. We've been doing the same thing forever, so many years. Now to hear that we can have an upgrade in our moror, that would be fantastic. I know I would try it. I definitely would try it. I don't know if I would do it the second year. I'll find out. But I'm I'm looking forward to doing it, and I'm going to make it a project, whether he writes me that letter or not. Let's see if anybody takes it on to do Moror Moror Chazonish. The Chazonish Moror. I think it has a nice twang to it. It's going to cost the same amount. I don't think they'll charge us anymore. And it'll have a little bitterness, and and everyone will say, "I feel that I've I've advanced." I think it's a great idea. So don't let anybody say that you can't invent something. And the young fellow, he thought this up, and I I think it's really very very interesting. The people could come up with new ideas all the time, and this doesn't hurt. And this is not something that's excruciating or expensive. It's just an add-on to our life. I think it's very nice, and I, I look forward to seeing that. And I thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to speaking to you next week. Until then, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine.